Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. And I'm going to be really reliant on the screen. I realized as we were worshiping that all of our scriptures today are in the English Standard uh, Version which is a great translation, um, but because I'm less than smart all the time, I brought the New King James Version of my Bible, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And so uh, we'll, be, we'll be using the screen this morning. So if you have a Bible, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It's where we're going to start. And like Pastor Scott said, we're starting a brand new collection of talks, a brand new series across all of our campuses this morning called Under Contract. Under contract. And I, I know he already did, but I want to reference uh, just one more time. I really would encourage you that you would grab one of these booklets and you would use it as a study guide. Uh, you would use it as something that will help you in these next uh, 12 weeks. It's kind of a long series, but in this next 12 weeks, uh, really, really study and, and, and dig down. You know, the Bible says this that we are to study. Someone say, study. study. We're to study to show ourselves. Approved. Pastor Gill says this often, and um, I love this analogy. He says, what other profession can, 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 can you be in for a lengthy period of time, and it's acceptable that you aren't proficient in it, and, and you're not able to help someone else become proficient. Like, no profession. If, if you've been, I'm trying to think of a profession, if, if you're like a, a construction worker, and you've been doing construction for 10 years, it would be unacceptable for you to not be proficient and you to not be able to help somebody else become proficient. But why is it in our walk with Jesus? Why is it in our relationship with God that it's become the acceptable norm that, that well, we, we're, we're not giving ourselves to, to, to grow, that we're not giving ourselves to be able to help other people discover what it means to follow Jesus and have a relationship with him. And the Bible just says we should study to show ourselves approved, not approved to God, not like God's judging us, but we should study to show ourselves proficient so that we can help other people as well as grow in our relationship with God. So I'd encourage you to grab one of these. And then I also want to make mention of this. There's this book called God Swears. Now, before uh, I continue, it is not about God approving your uh preference in in language. This is not like God uses swear words. Like, finally, a book that relates to me. That's not what it's talking about. Uh, God swears to keep his promises. It's a book about the covenant uh, that we have with God. Um, I'll have this book after service, just sitting right here. You're more than welcome to come and uh, take a picture. Um, kind of write, write it down. Uh, but this will be a great supplement reading in this series. But this series we're starting under contract. It really is a, a, a big deal because it's an essential series for us as a church because we want to be a church that not only do we believe in the promises of God, not only do, do we sing songs and, and, and make declarations and have really cool Christian things we say about God's promises, but we want to actually live in them. We want to actually be a church that we're not just saying we, we trust God, but we're actually living in and receiving the fullness of what God has provided and what God has promised. And so we're going to be in this series talking about what does it mean to be under contract or in a covenant with God. And where we're going to start today is, is simply this. We just want to acknowledge today that there is a covenant. We, we just want to acknowledge, so you might say, Brandon, okay, help me out real quick. Uh, what, what do you mean covenant? I just mean a contract. That, 
that a covenant or a contract, it is an agreement between two parties that cannot be broken, that, that we do in fact have a covenant with our God through the finished work of Jesus. And today as we start, we just want to simply acknowledge the fact that if, if we're going to make progress, if we're going to grow, if we're going to really live a life of faith, we, we have to be people that that we have an understanding and we acknowledge, no, 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 I'm not just hoping, I'm in covenant with God. Someone said amen. And so go with me to Ephesians chapter two, it's where we're gonna start this morning. I'm reading out of the English Standard Translation and uh, we're really gonna hone in on verses 11, 12, and 13. Uh, But I wanted to start at verse one to kind of give us a running start and really get a context of what Paul is saying. And uh, he, he says this, he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, someone say we all, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God, some of the sweetest words in all the Bible, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we, we sang that song this morning, Oh, How He Loves Us. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard like different versions, but there's a line and uh, the, 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 the line can go one of two ways. Some people sing it uh, like an unforeseen kiss and, and one, one version is a sloppy wet kiss. And I'm like, who wrote that? That's, that's weird. Like, why would you, why would you put that in a, in a lyric? But I, I was talking with, uh, with, with a guy at our, our church, and he's like, those are both weird lyrics. I'm like, well, actually, the sloppy wet kiss, I'll give you that. That's kind of awkward. Like, let's not sing that. But the unforeseen kiss, that's actually kind of the- theologically accurate because the Bible says that when we were lost, when we were dead in our sin and trespass, when we weren't even acknowledging God, when we weren't even acknowledging our need for God, when we were doing absolutely nothing to make effort that Romans 5.8 says that God saw it as the right time, the perfect time, to out of nowhere come and begin this plan of reconciliation and salvation. And, and this is what Paul is saying. When we were dead in our trespasses, not because we earned it, not because we deserved it, not because we were doing a bunch of things that God sneezed it. When we were dead in our trespasses, Jesus, he made us alive together with Christ Now, by grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, pause real quick, that word grace, let me tell you what it means in case you don't know. Grace is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited, you did absolutely nothing to earn it or deserve it, love and blessing and favor of God that is freely poured upon your life for no other reason but because God loves you and you've put your faith in in what Jesus has done. For by grace you have been saved, how? Through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of 
God. Someone say, it's not my doing. It's not my own doing. It's the gift of God. Verse 9, as a, um, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, verse 11 through 13 is kind of where we're really going to pick up today. It says this, therefore, therefore, because of everything I just said, be, be, because of the realization, the remembering of, of the fact that we were all lost, we were all dead in our sin and trespass, there's nothing we have done to earn or deserve it, but simply because Jesus loves us, because God loves us, we have been brought near by grace, we've been saved. He says, therefore, remember that at one time, now, brace yourself, he's going to use kind of some, some weird Old Testament language, and I'll explain it as we go. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time, at that time. Brandon, why is he talking about circumcision? That's weird. Like, what are we talking about? What did you learn in church today? We talked about circumcision. What kind of church do you go to? Uh, if, if you don't know, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the sign of covenant, the, uh, the, the members only pass, if you will, the, uh, the proof that you were in the club, that you were in covenant with God, it was circumcision. There, God, God created in the flesh or an outward sign of I'm in covenant, I'm in contract, in relationship with God. This is why, do you remember the story of David and Goliath? you remember that story? This is why David had so much confidence. The Bible says Goliath, he was, uh, he, he was taunting the children of Israel. Everybody was afraid. And, and David uses this language. He, he goes, wait a minute. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine we're so afraid of? In other words, what he's saying is, wait a minute. That guy's not in the club. I know he's big. I know he's bad. I know he's got big muscles and he's super tall, but he's not in the club. God's not with him. God is not for him. God is not with him. We're in the club. He goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that we're so afraid of? Hey, we're in the club. We, we have covenant with God, and therefore David had great confidence. Paul says, remember that, that you used to be not in the club, but, but now, remember you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I, I, I want to go backwards for a second, and I want to look at verse 12, and, and I want to use just this little phrase to, to, to kind of put, um, to put a frame of reference for what, what I want to talk about this morning. He, he says, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and listen, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Strangers to the covenants of of promise. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Um, or I guess in, in our Finding Freedom series, I said that almost every single week. And every time I was like, hey, if you're taking notes, it would dawn on me. We've provided notes. So no one's taking them, Brandon. Um, so already in your notes, the title of the teaching today uh, is simply this, No Longer Strangers to the Covenant. And, and I know I already said it, but again, what we want to talk about today is that we have to have a realization 
We, 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 have, we have to come to a, a revelation and acknowledge that we are in a contract. We are in a covenant with God, and the contract, the covenant that we're in with God is a big deal. No longer strangers to the covenant. I know we've already prayed a couple of times, but would, would, you, would you mind, can we pray one more time and just ask God that, that he would speak to us? You might say, Brandon, why, why do you want to do that? Be, because we should never come to the Bible without acknowledging in humility, God, we need you to teach us. The Bible is not a book that we come to and in our own ability figured out. No, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to literally supernaturally open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive from him. So can we, can we just pray real quick and ask God that as we're starting this series that he would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and speak to us? Come on, let's close our eyes and bow our head. God, thank you today for the Bible. Thank you today, Lord, that you have given us your word. Bible says that every single word in this book, it's not words of man, it's inspired by your spirit. And God, because you're alive today, your word still speaks today. And so I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, including myself, including myself, that God, you would speak to us. God, that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear from you. God, we are all created uniquely and individually by you, and you've placed us in different, different families, different places, different generations, different walks of life. We're all different today, but we come united under this reality that we're desperate for you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do, and would you speak to us in a way that we need to hear it? Not my words, not the words of man, but Holy Spirit, speak to our heart deeply that we leave here today, changed and transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, if, if you look in your notes or if you're taking notes separate from the book, I just want to go right in and, and go through these three thoughts. Number one, you can write this down, that many, uh, many Christians are strangers to the covenants of promise. Many, strain, or many Christians are strangers to the covenants of promise. Have, have, have you ever... Um, had access to something, you just didn't know it? Have, have you ever um, had something given to you, you just didn't know that you, you, you had access to that? I uh, re- recently was talking with a friend, and uh, he was talking about his car. He said, yeah, we, you know, we were having issues with our car. We were, you know, X, Y, and Z was going on. He said, we had to take it to the mechanic, which, by the way, is there any worse trouble than car trouble? Like, car trouble is just like, it's from the devil. Like, go away, car trouble. And he said, we had to take, take it to the mechanic, and um, I had no idea until they looked it up that we were under warranty. Here they are. They had this warranty that covered everything that needed to be fixed. And they had no idea that they were actually under contract, under warranty, that this would be, would be fixed. This first thought is, is simply acknowledging this, that so many Christians, maybe even people in this room, Maybe even people in this room that you're aware of this, but you don't live like this. So many believers are unaware that not only do we have promises given to us by God, but we have a covenant of promise. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, we read it. Paul, he uses this language, and I want you to notice that he says that before you were in Christ, you were strangers to the covenants of of promise. Notice that he did not say you were strangers to the promises. Because how many of you know there's a lot of Christians maybe sitting in this room today that we know all the promises of God. 
And maybe we don't know all of them, but like in theory, we know a lot of them. Oh, yeah, man, I've heard it before. You know, God's our healer. God's our protector. God's our provider. You know, God, he's always near. He's our comfort. He's our wisdom. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And, and we're aware. You know, we, we, we like to quote verses like, all of God's promises are yes and amen, and it makes for great preaching. And depending on what church you're at, it makes for great shouting and great running around the aisles. But, but often it doesn't make its way into our everyday life. Because even though we know we have a promise, we, we don't realize that, no, no, it's not just a promise. It's a promise within the context of a covenant. It's, the pro, it's a promise within the context of a contract, a guarantee. You might say, Brandon, what, what is the covenant? We'll talk more in this series. But the covenant is the covenant that God has made with you and I through the finished work of Jesus. The Bible says this, Ephesians 2.13, Paul, Paul says, but now, but, but now, now that you've given your life to Jesus, now that you've put your faith in him, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the, by the blood of Christ. D did you know that, that you were in a, a blood covenant with God? If, if you're here and if you have said yes, you put your faith in Jesus, you've said, I'm, I'm gonna give you my life and I'm gonna serve you. Did you know that by that simple action, by putting your faith in Christ, that you entered into a blood covenant with God? I don't know if you ever thought about this, but God didn't need to make a covenant. Like, why is it that we make contracts? Because we don't trust people right? Like, why is it when you buy a house or a car or you take out a loan, why does the bank make you sign papers? Because the bank don't trust you. No, no, no. Like, hey, uh, like, try, try this on next time you go make a large purchase. Hey, I appreciate that, man. Um, I'm good, though. I'm not going to sign any of that. Let's just, let's just, you know, shake on it. It's not going to work. Why? Because the bank doesn't trust you. Bible says this in uh, Numbers 23, 19, I believe it is. It says, God is not a man, though, that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. God is not like you and I. God is not a man that he, that he lies, that he breaks his, his word. What does it mean, son of man? It means God's not second generation either. Has anybody ever made a promise that you had to pay for? Like, like my wife does this often with our kids. Hey, when dad gets home, he'll take you to the park. And I get home like, we're going to the park. We are? Mom promised. Mom made a promise now that I'm, and sometimes I go, now nah, we're not doing that. God's not a man that he should lie, and he's not second generation that he changes his mind. That he goes, ah, you know, I said it back then, but I'm not going to. No, no, no. Has he said and will he not do it? Or as he's spoken, and will he not fulfill it? God is not a man that he should lie. God, he cannot go back on his word. Which, which brings the question, well, then why did God need to make a covenant? Like, remember, the only reason we do contracts, the only reason we sign papers, is because we don't trust people. I promise, man, I will bring you the $10,000 Monday. No, I'm good. Sign the paper. 
like, we, I don't, I don't. So, wait a minute, but, but if God is trustworthy, if God is faithful, if, if we can really count on and depend on God, why is it that God went the extra mile to, to make a covenant? Look at this, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. I want you to read this. It says, for people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Pause real quick. I'm sorry, go, go, go back to verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise. Hold, hold on. So what, God didn't make a covenant for himself. God made a covenant for you. See, th this whole series, this whole message, like don't, don't allow the terminology of covenant, contract. Don't allow the, the study guide and the book and to... To, to, to cause you to miss that this whole thing really is just about the love of God. This whole thing really is just about the absolutely unexplainable, uncomprehendable love of God for your life individually. The Bible says the covenant wasn't for him. God didn't go, you know, I really, really want to, like, make you a promise. And I hate to change my mind. I have an idea. Let's sign a contract so I, you know, God would have never changed his mind. But God wanted you to be convinced. God, God, so, God so loved you and I that he wanted you and I to be able to live life convinced that God will do what he said. God, God wanted you and I to be able to live life with confidence, unshakable, with boldness because we know, because we are sure, because we are guaranteed. And the Bible says so when God desired to show even more convincingly to the people that would receive the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. In other words, the author of Hebrews writes, God so wanted you to be convinced. God so wanted you to have confidence. God so wanted you to be able to be rock solid, sure that he would never leave you or forsake you. That everything that he has promised, he will do every single time that he entered into a contract and a covenant with you and I through the finished work of Jesus. You, you know what I think is important for, for us to realize? Um, and it's part, part of the reason that I wanted to read Ephesians chapter two from the very beginning is that you, now I need a little participation, just let, let me see your pointer finger, make sure it's the pointer one, not the middle one, That's, that'd be preferable this morning, and just point back at yourself, just me, okay. You have nothing to do with this covenant. Did you notice that in Ephesians? 
that it didn't say God called a meeting at the table and said, all right, come, come on. All right, here's what I want to do. Uh, I, re- I really want to be good to you. I really want to help you. I really want to provide for you. You really need my help. Trust you. Trust me. You're a wreck. So, okay, sit down. Here's the parameters. Here's the things that I want to... No, that's, that's the Old Testament. That, that, that is, the, the Bible is uh, broken up into two different parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, or in other words, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And the Old Covenant was, was predicated on if... And then statements. All right. If you will obey the Lord your God with all your heart, and if you will walk in all of his commandments, and if you will do all the things that he has said for you to do, then God will bless you, and God will provide for you, and God will stand with you. But you only have to read like this much of the Old Testament to realize that didn't work. Like, if, if you read through the, the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, what you will see is a roller coaster ride. And the roller coaster ride goes like this. People of God, all right, God, we're in. We're going to follow you. And God, God honors his covenant. And God will bless them. And God will provide for them. And God does stuff. And then they're like, man, we got it pretty good. We don't need God anymore. And so they forsake God. And then they go downhill. They're like, God, we're in slavery. This is bad. Send Moses. They didn't really say that, but we need Moses to come part the Red Sea. And, and so they call, they call out to God, and God, it's if then. If you will, then I will. But you only have to read a little bit of the Old Testament to realize that doesn't work. You know why it doesn't work? Because you're not that good and I'm not that good. You know why it doesn't work? Because you don't have that much discipline, I don't have that much discipline. You, you know why that doesn't work? Because you and I on our best day do not have the ability to consistently meet the standard of our God. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but um, m- many people will tell you, and, and I, I believe this wholeheartedly, that the whole Bible is, is a Where's Waldo book. You ever done the Where's Waldo? You, you ever done that? Um, I'm no good at it. But the whole Bible is a Where's Waldo book because the entire Bible, cover to cover, all it does is speak to us of the person of Jesus. You know, the Old Testament is really screaming, we need a savior. We need a superhero. We need someone who can come and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We do not have the ability to keep getting it right every day, all the time. We need, and so the new covenant is the fulfillment of all the things that God wrote in the, in the old covenant. Jesus, the Bible says, he came and he fulfilled the law. Like all the things we could not do, Jesus fulfilled the law entirely. And Jesus, having fulfilled the law entirely, being being the only one who was sinless and spotless, he then went to the middle cross and he took your place and he took my place. And Jesus hung on a cross and suffocated in his own blood, his body being beaten with a crown of thorns on his head until he said, it is finished. What's finished? The covenant that God is now making with anyone who would call upon the name of Jesus. See, this covenant that we're in, it's not predicated on your performance. 
That's why Paul says, hey, I just want to remind you, we were all far and disconnected. We were all following in our own ways and because of that children of wrath by nature. But God, who is so good and so loving and so kind, when we were at our worst, Jesus came. And Jesus fulfilled the law and he did what we could not do and then he took our sin upon his shoulders and he, he made provision for our sin now, today, for forever so that by simply believing and putting our trust in him, we might not only have relationship with him but be partakers of the covenant promise that he's given us. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. I gotta walk over here because I can't see. But as it is Christ, Jesus, not you, Jesus has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent, it's much more better than that of, of the old, as the covenant he mediated, mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. Jesus is the mediator. This covenant, this contract, the only part we have to play in it is to simply receive. I was thinking about this the other day. I was studying these notes and I thought, like, what's, what, what's a good picture that makes sense in my mind? So I don't know if this makes sense in your mind, but it makes sense in my mind. Thought about, you know, what, what if someone were to go and go down to, I don't know, what's, what's your favorite car? Someone just, what, just call it out. What's your favorite car? Nobody. No participation. Awesome. Oh, one person. What, what is it? BMW. BMW. Okay, thank you, Kent. I appreciate the participation. That's why we pay Kent the big bucks. Um, it's like someone were, were to go down to the BMW dealership. Say, hey, I have an unlimited resource of money. Here is all the money I have, access to all the money I have. And um, I, I want to just sign a contract, a covenant right now, that um, whenever Scott Jefferson needs a car, whatever he needs, he can come down here, and, and by simply just showing his ID, he can get whatever he wants, whatever he needs. I'm, I'm taking care of it. <laughs> Pastor Scott's like, I receive it. God, is that a word from you? Is that prophetic? I need it. God, I... That, that, that agreement has nothing to do with him. That's not based on him. He is neither party. He's only the beneficiary. This covenant we have, it's not based on your performance. It's not based on what you have or have not done. It is based on the finished work of Jesus and his, his sacrifice, not your own. And the only part we have to play in it, it is the receiving by faith. Jesus, I acknowledge my need for you. In fact, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter three, I believe it is. E Ephesians chapter three, I think that was the next scripture. Kent, um, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse four through six. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Where do you get your confidence from? My confidence, it's not in myself. It's in what Jesus has done. And that I have confidence in running towards, towards God. Number two, you can write this down. My second thought this morning is simply this, that understanding the reality of covenant 
is what creates absolute confidence in God's promises. Think about it for a second. What, what is it that dilutes your confidence? It's a rhetorical question, but what, what, when it comes to the promises of God, what is it that dilutes your confidence, that chips away at your confidence towards God? What, what, what is it maybe even this morning that, that it's, it's diluted your confidence in walking in here with your head held high as Adam's up here singing, lifting your hands and, well, I'll tell you what it is, it's you. You and I are what dilute our confidence, are we not? Why? Because we all have faults and failures. Because we all miss it. Because we all have a laundry list of things that I should have done, but I did not do. We all have a laundry list of things that, that I should not have done, but, but I did. I mean, just, even last night, I'm laying in bed, and, and I'm laying there, and um, we have a, a, how old are our kids? We have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. Don't judge me for not knowing. It's a lot of numbers, Okay. Seven, five, and three. It's like, that's not a lot of numbers, Brandon. You're not, just not very smart. Um, seven, five, and three. And um, our three-year-old Graham, we need prayer. Like, I, 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 we don't know what to do. There's like no discipline that's working right now. Like we discipline him, he's like, cool, all right, see you later. And then he does it again. And so I, I was really firm with him. And even last night, I'm laying in bed, and um, my wife, Jenny, she's... Uh, Nine months pregnant. I'm like, why are you not remembering these things? I don't know. She's nine months pregnant. We're about to have a baby October 4th. That's however many days that is. And so she was mad because I woke her up. And we're laying there, and I said, do you think I need to be a better dad? I don't feel like I'm a good, why? Because I'm, I'm laying there, and I'm thinking about, I think I was too harsh. I think I was maybe a little too, he's only three years old. Like, yeah, sure, like, we do need to light his butt up. But he's only three. Like, he... Like, you spank your kids, please don't be offended, or call child services. Um, but but we, 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 we dilute our confidence. Because come on, you, you and me both know we have a laundry list of areas that we just, I, I, could, I could do better. I could be more consistent. I could be more faithful. I could be more holy. I could be more godly. I know I, you know, it's funny is that we, we, we are so eaten up by nature with pride, are we not? So even when we miss it, we don't always admit it, do we? And even, if, you know, I, I've done youth ministry for so long, and, and I just know that sometimes it's the, like, the toughest kids, just, oh, I don't care about, that, that are usually the softest on the inside because they're eaten up with, with regret and guilt and shame we, we all have a list of, I don't know. And, and it is what dilutes our confidence in God's promises. I, I can't tell you how, how many times I've talked to people. Hey, man, you know that God's promised he will. Yeah, but I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm kind of far from God right now. Yeah, I, I really haven't been doing the best that I, that I should. I'm not. I'm kind, I'm kind of all over the place. I mean, I'm. I'm, I'm a pastor, like, professionally, if you can even call it that. Like, I get paid to do other things, but to study the Bible and teach the Bible. And even, like, I know this stuff. And even myself, if I'm not careful, I can slip into, God, I know you, I know you said that you're the one who provides for all of my needs according to your riches and glory. God, I haven't been doing so good. 
which is funny, right? Because doing good, it has levels, right? So, so like, I don't know if, if you've ever, like, played, played golf before. Um, I'm, ter- I'm not very good at golf. But it's like, you, 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 you play with someone who's, like, really, really good at golf, and they hit, like, a shot that I could never hit in my life. Like, ah, oh, missed it. That was the greatest shot I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to put it about, you know, four feet off the ground. It went, it went five feet. Cool. So, like, there's, there's levels to this. And all of us, at whatever level we are in relationship with God, come on, we, we have those moments, I, I could do better. I could, wh- whatever that means. And it erodes our confidence in God. It erodes our ability to have confidence that Jesus will do what he promised he would do because we think this contract, this covenant, is between us and God. All right, I will do my part. No, 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 no. Jesus has already settled the issue. We are only the beneficiaries in this covenant we have. And understanding the reality that I don't just have like promises, I have promises that have been cemented in a covenant that God made. And oh yeah, why did he make that covenant? Because he loves me so much. He doesn't want me to lay, lay in bed at night with anxiety. He doesn't want me to lay in bed at night afraid. He doesn't want me to be overwhelmed by a feeling of unqualification and insufficiency. He wants me to have my head up high. And so he guaranteed his promises in a contract, in a covenant. Number three, you can write this down and Adam, you can come up and play behind me as we close to make it sound more spiritual. But number three, confidence in God's promises. It anchors our soul in times of chaos and crisis. We, we read this already, but Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, I'll read it one more time. Or verse, eight, verse 18 is fine. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. Verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Can I ask you a question? Is your soul anchored? Is your soul anchored? Because what what we think anchors us it's our situation and circumstance, do we not? So when life is good, we're good. Oh man, blessed, highly favored, God is so good. We're singing that song this morning, Adam was singing it, you know. I don't know about the whole like unforeseen kiss, that was weird, I didn't sing that lyric. But uh, oh, how he loves us. And I was like, yeah, he does love me actually. Life is good. But then when life's not good, when circumstance and situation are adverse, we're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't I mean, I'm not singing those lyrics. That seems a little hypocritical because I'm not really. Our soul has to be anchored in something greater than our circumstance. Like, this is maybe not like super popular preaching, but the reality is is that good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. We live in a broken, fallen world that is infected and affected by sin. 
And even when we have not caused something, how many of you know we often suffer the effects of sin? I'm talking to a 16-year-old kid on Wednesday night in our youth ministry who's suffering with concussions right now, not because he's an athlete, but because he was beaten as a child. He said, explain that to me, Brandon. How, how, how does God really love me if he let that happen? I, I, don't, I don't have words to explain or to comfort or to aid except for the reality that th- that was not your fault. That was not God's will. We live in a broken, fallen world. And, and this is why Hebrews writes, we've run for refuge to the only one who can provide it. We've run for safety and hope and peace and comfort to the only one who can, who can provide it. And the Bible says, and this hope, what hope? That God swears to keep his promises. That God is in a covenant contract with us. That God will never leave us and God will never forsake us. That even if it was not God's will, the Bible says God is so good that he can work all things together for our good. Yeah, maybe God did not cause it, but God says, yeah, but I can work with it. And I can turn it around and I can can work it for your good and your benefit. The Bible says this covenant is the anchor of our soul. But not a lot of people, and I don't just mean in the world, I mean in the church, live anchored lives. That's why every week the whole church isn't erupting in worship when the song starts because our soul's not anchored. That's why everywhere we're not walking in like, hey, it's so good to be here. How can I serve you? And be, because our soul's not anchored. Because we're all over the place. The Bible says, no, no, this, there is an anchor for your soul and it brings you great confidence even when life is, is tough. Uh, two, two more scriptures and I promise we're done. Thank you, Adam, for being up here for so long. I appreciate it. But having an anchor for your soul, it helps Bible verses make sense. And, and can I just say, it, it stops you from rolling your eyes at pastors, preachers, and Christian friends. Because let's be honest, I've been there, you've been there. Even if it's internally, we roll our eyes sometimes. Hey, man, this is what's going on in life. Well, you know, brother, be anxious for, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And God will bring you peace, be understanding. You're like, wow, thank you so much. I hate you. Be, be, well, it's because your soul's not anchored. But when your soul is anchored, and when you realize, no, 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 the circumstance, the situation, it's, it's not phasing me. Because even when I am faithless, God remains faithful, 2 Timothy says, because I'm in a covenant with God. All of a sudden, these verses don't sound so annoying. These verses sound like the remedy we've been looking for. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Why with thanksgiving? Because you're in a covenant. Why with thanksgiving? Because God's made a guarantee. Why with thanksgiving? Because you weren't at the dealership when the deal was done. You're just the recipient. So with thanksgiving, you can come and offer prayer and supplication and your request be made known to God. And verse seven, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How do you have peace beyond understanding? You, you know you're in a covenant. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? You've been acting kind of weird. What do you mean? You're like all happy and stuff. Why are you happy? What do you mean? Um, I don't want to be like discouraging, but you and me both know your life kind of sucks right now. It's like, I can't think of a worse situation. Why are you happy? You know, I really can't explain the joy that I have in my soul. It's just that I have great confidence. God's going to come through. How can you say that? You're not even a good Christian. I, I'm, God is really working on me and he's helping me to, to get better and to be more aligned with his ways. But because it's not about me, Jesus finished the work and he made me a guarantee. Every promise he has made that they're, they're available to me. It, it even helps you pray. First John 5, 14 to 15. And then I, I promise you we're done. It says, now this is the confidence. Rhetorical question. How confident are you when you pray? A lot of people, not very confident. We pray like just shooting darts in the sky, hoping something hits. God, I hope that worked. This is the confidence that we have towards Jesus. That if we ask anything according to his will, Brandon, well, how do we know what his will is? Because you have a contract. How do you know what his will is? Because you have a covenant. Yeah, but how, how do you know? Because God has already said, and not only did he promise it, but God, he, he made a blood covenant to guarantee his promise. Oh, I, I know the will of God. And this is the confidence we have towards him that if we ask anything in the contract, we know that God hears us. Verse 15, and we know that if he hears us, Whatever we, whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. I promise you I'm done. But can I just say sometimes our, our prayers don't have a lot of confidence. They're all over the place. Because first of all, we don't understand that we have a covenant with God. And because we don't understand we have a covenant with God, we don't have confidence. And because we don't know we have a covenant with God, we don't even know what the covenant is. And, and so we pray prayers, but they're not bad prayers but they're just out of alignment with, with, with what God said. So for, for example, I'll, I'll pick on Pastor Scott. He was joking, obviously, but my, my joke about you know, the, 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 the BMW dealership, we're like, oh God, you said that anything I ask of you, you'll do it. So God, I want a BMW 700 series. Do it now, in Jesus' name, amen. And it's like, well, uh, well hold on. I, I didn't read the, the BMW verse. I, I've never, if that's a real verse, please send it to me. I want to know about it. I don't think it's in there though. I, I just think the Bible says that God, he will provide for all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So, so maybe I can have more confidence by saying, God, right now, me and my family, we really need a vehicle. God, we, we need a car bad. And God, you, you know what our need is. God, I, can, I just thank you right now in Jesus' name that you promised me because I'm in covenant with you that whatever I had need of, you would provide. So God, I don't know where it's gonna come from. I don't know, God, how you're gonna do it, but God, would you give me the wisdom and would you give me the understanding and would you provide supernaturally for the need I have in 
Jesus' name, amen. See, there's confidence in that because it's in, it's in the contract. It's in the covenant. Can I say, like, this is real stuff. My wife, my wife and I, uh, I don't know, how, how, how is Brooklyn? Brooklyn's five. I look at Louisa because Louisa is my kid's favorite person in the world. But before we had Brooklyn, five years ago, we needed a car bad. And this wasn't in my notes. It's not, I just happened to use that example. We needed a car bad. And we, we also needed money too. We didn't have money or a car. It's like, Lord, we, we really need you to provide. And, and I just got so stirred up that actually God really does like do what he said. And so we start praying and we start asking God, Lord, you said you'd provide for our needs. You said, God, that you would meet us where we are. So God, we're just, we're bringing it to you. Thank you in Jesus name. I kid you not, three months later, we had someone call us. Hey, Pastor Brandon, can we take you out to dinner? Yes. We're going to go get Mexican food. Amen to that. You're speaking my language. And I thought, hey, cool, they want to take us out to dinner because they like, you know, need some advice or counseling or I don't know. They just want to hang out. Hang out. I don't know. And we're, we're sitting there and um, over chips and salsa, they slide across a super large check. Hey, I just, I don't know why. We've just been praying. And we just felt like God put it in our heart that you guys needed a, you guys are pregnant, right? That you guys needed a, a vehicle for, for your family. We just felt like God say that we should, we didn't orchestrate that. No, we, we just went, well, God, we have a need. And you, you, made, a, you made a covenant. You made a contract. And it's not based on our performance. It's based on what Jesus has already done. And so we just come and say, thank you, Jesus. We don't have to worry. We cast all the worry, all the stress, all the anxiety off. And we just say, thank you so much, Jesus. You promised because we're in the club now. Be, because we're in the family of God. Because we have access to all the rights and the privileges of your children. You provide whatever we have need of. God, you know what our need is, so thank you. God is faithful. See, but we, we got to get convinced though. I keep on saying, this is my last thing and I'm lying. This is really my last thing. It's the last thing in my notes, so I promise it's my last thing. But, but the only way for us to really like get this is you got to get a revelation of it. Can I tell you, information will not serve you well in following Jesus. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. Information will not serve you well. Because how many of you know, you could know lots of things, but not really live in what you know. I'll give you a great example. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, McDonald's is not healthy. But who went through the drive-thru yesterday and got a Big Mac? This guy. Like, we all live outside of what we know. No, but what we need though is revelation. Revelation is when God pulls the curtains back of your heart and he reveals something to you on the inside. And all of a sudden, you know that you know that you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Never forget when this whole COVID thing started. I didn't know who to believe. Like, I'm not that guy that's like, well, I'm a Republican. So whatever Fox News says, that's what I believe. I just, no, I, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I don't, I don't know who to believe. But, but there was fear creeping in my heart. And I went to Psalm 91 and I spent, it's not about the time, but I needed it. I spent probably an hour. Just in Psalm 91, I can't even find it, but in Psalm 91, just reading through, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. A thousand may fall at your right and 10,000 at your left, but it will not come near you. You could have a thousand over here and 10,000 over here, but it's not even near you because God is your, and I just, I'm just reading and I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm praying and all of a sudden, boop, light bulb comes on. And it's like what I knew informationally, I now have a revelation of the no, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So here, here's my, my double down on this. Brandon, why is it really a big deal that I like, you know, get the booklet and really like, you know, study? Not so you can get smarter. You should get smarter, but that's not really the goal. It's, it's so we can get revelation of this. Why, why take the extra effort and energy to like read a book about it? Because we need revelation of it. Why, hold on, why is it that we pray again? Why is it that we read the scripture so we can get revelation? God, I don't know how to do it, but God, open my eyes and my ears and reveal to me your love and your, tell me, when you get revelation, everything changes. And the whole goal of this study, this 12-week series, is that we would get increased revelation that, God, you love me so much that I'm in a covenant. I'm in a contract with you. And because of it, I have confidence. My soul is anchored. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. I'm immovable. Why? Because I'm in a covenant with Jesus. It has nothing to do with my performance. It has everything to do with what's already again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.